0: love what you hear? Be sure to check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash finish the fight for exclusive episodes, insights, and even our D&D adventure. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Welcome back to another bonus episode of Finish the Fight. Uh, I am your host, Alex Kendall. And I am your host, Eric Baker. And today we are exploring a kind of fun little aspect in gaming that is pretty prevalent and getting even more prevalent. And that is branding or companies in video games, specifically their mascots and kind of their brand guidelines making their way into their own games. And, you know, most famously, we've seen Burger King release a trio of games. We've seen, you know, KFC do the KF console. We've seen a lot of branding, especially now, see a resurgence. We're going to go back in the history of it. Where did it kind of come from? What is this revenue stream that they're bringing in? And and is it effective for them? You know, let us know at the end of this, too, if there's any games that we miss or what your thoughts
1: are, you know, in terms of. Should they be allowed in gaming or should they not? I just want to preface this episode by acknowledging that the Burger King video games were so much fun and they really shouldn't have been that much fun. Sneaking, you're you're the king, like sneaking around, trying to give these workers burgers and the construction site. Amazing content. It's it's so good. And I have a,
0: a little segment for us to talk about that, that these trio of games did what the early ones did as well, where they kind of reskinned a game or style of game that's already been around and made it for, in this instance, for Burger King. But they did it so well, and it really hides that branding in your mind. You know it's all branded. You know you're delivering Whoppers. You know you're doing these things. You're getting the chicken in there. You know, all of these little aspects. But the game kind of comes first. So we'll talk about kind of how dangerous that is, but also how smart that is in terms of marketing.
1: So let's talk about the earliest one that we could find. And it was the Kool-Aid Man video game for the Atari 2600 and television, published by Mattel in 1983. This game was originally mail order only, and then it was released later. Like, you could, you could go to the brick and mortar and buy this game. I don't yes. really know how to feel about that.
0: I thought that was interesting because it's very much like, do you kids just still do box tops? I don't know. It's very much like box tops or any of those like back of the cereal box things. You'd clip it out, slap it in an envelope four to six, six to eight weeks later, you'd get something in the mail. And this was a very simple game, you know, as most of the Atari games kind of were, you just kind of played the Kool-Aid man walking around, doing some collecting, break through a wall at the start of it. And It's really that first dabble into kind of pop culture, into companies bringing their own into this gaming sphere. And we see a lot of this really early on. The Atari sees a couple, but especially the Sega Genesis and the Super
1: Nintendo start to see a lot more. It's so wild. Like the Kool-Aid Man was such a big childhood like marketing campaign that just sticks out to me where there was spoofs done on like SNL and all that and people like busting through walls this whole concept this Kool-Aid Man concept I know that it's from before the 90s but growing up in the 90s I feel like I used to see that commercial literally everywhere now I haven't seen it I I can't even remember the last time it's maybe been 20 years I mean, walls are stronger nowadays, so it's it's tough for him to get around. I understand.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, but this is the start of it, and we do see, at least as far as we could tell, two more in '83 that came out from two odd names that I don't think we ever see again in gaming, and that's Purina and Johnson and Johnson. And
1: for Purina, the the Purina one is blowing my mind. Yeah,
0: and it was Chase the Chuckwagon, pretty much kind of like a paperboy thing with a dog idea. Like you're chasing the chuck wagon. You want to get the food. That's my best
1: guess is why they created it. I don't know who they're targeting with that. It kind of reminds me of like a, like a Pac-Man style game. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, there you go. And then uh, with the Johnson and Johnson, I don't want to say the game
0: makes sense. I think it's the best Johnson and Johnson product to be there. And it's tooth protectors, and it was just kind of a thing that was kind of advertising the toothpaste, basically advertising the branding of Johnson & Johnson. Again, these weren't incredibly predatory yet, in my opinion. These were just like some weird one-off games that they had put out. They're like, hey, we got a little extra ka There's these things called home consoles now. People are gathering on their TV instead of their radio. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what are they doing? Well, the thing, too, is that when these video games as archaic as they were, you're just not able to put the same imagery in those games. So when you look at tooth protectors, and if you're listening to this right now, go ahead and look it up. Look up a gameplay screenshot. There's not a lot in the actual game mode that screams Mm -hmm. Johnson and Johnson. Really, the only time that you see that. It's likely on the cartridge. I cannot 100% confirm that because I have not seen the cartridge. But on top of that, in the title screen itself. And these were really made just to cash in. They weren't
0: really made for advertising. I think for both of these companies, Purina and J&J, which are big companies in their own right, they have different divisions. So they're like, why don't we just tap into that market, make some profit shares from this random game thing because games are the hot selling point. Let's try it out. And so this is really in the early 80s where there's dabblings of it. And there are a couple things I've seen, especially in Japan. Japan had a lot more presence of that. They even had a Coca-Cola handheld console that was interesting. And I kind of kept all the Japanese marketing out of that because that could be 17 hours of it. (laughs) But I stick to mostly the U.S.-based marketing or U.S.-based gaming sphere where these are. And so this is the start of it. We don't really see... Any major, I mean, we do see the Kool-Aid Man, but again, that's on the Atari. You got eight pixels to play with. You got not not much going on, but we don't really see a mascot truly taking center stage
1: until we honestly get the coolest guy around. Oh, man. Don't say it. Don't say it yet. First and foremost, before we get there, we got to talk Fight Night Round 3, but before we get there... (laughs) I don't know if you've seen the gameplay screenshot for the tooth protectors, but it's like literally you're a guy holding floss, mm-hmm. running back and forth on a set of teeth upheld by some gums. And so the whole goal is to like prevent the snack to getting into the teeth. That's amazing. It's kind of a genius game. I don't know. I kind of want to play it now. I take it back. Johnson Johnson, best game 2021. I'm I'm kind of excited. I feel like that would be a good stream. I'm just going to play Tooth Protectors. <laughs> just three hours of Tooth Protectors, high score. Let's see. Let's go, baby. I mean, for 1983, it's really not that bad. If you've had the chance to go and, and play some of the games on that NES, online, whatever that they have mm-hmm. for the Switch, you play some of those games, you're like, yeah, this is not conducive to good video gaming whatsoever No like barely able to save games most of the functionality makes absolutely no sense. so I feel like tooth protectors probably wasn't that far off. All right, so we'll say early 80s
0: crown Crown Victor right here going to tooth protectors J and J early 80s baby. That's how we got it but let's get back let's get back to the cool. we're going we're going late 80s. We're staying big hair. We're going cool music. We're, we're Kurt Cobain's still alive at this point. And we are oh going...
1: My God. How dare you? To Cool
0: Spot 7-Up's <laughs> video game. Now, I know most of you only know 7-Up as that soda that your grandma has in the closet on the floor. Uh, Makes your tummy
1: seven, feel better.
0: <laughs> exactly. Pretty much all it's used for in this day and age, or a 7-7. Seven and seven. About all you're having with it. But Cool Spot was... Tr- they were trying to make this... The mascot of the 80s. They're like, dude, what's a better mascot than just the red dot from our logo? Red dot with sunglasses, baby.
1: Put some sunnies on? Basically stunner shades at that time? Oh, baby. He's got it rolling. (laughs) Baby. Seven up. Seven and seven. Cool spot. Hardball. I don't even know. There's like a million names for seven and seven. Mm -hmm. But this mascot was something. I don't know. I feel like I've seen him everywhere and yet have never seen him anywhere. Yes, 100%. So what was 7-Up, the game? I don't even actually know. It was a a platformer game, right? Yes. Yes, you played his cool spot.
0: I know you did some surfing. You did a couple other platforms. Of course, you got to surf. Radical things. Radical, dude. Oh, you have to. Like, If you're not doing it, what are you doing with your life? But this is where we're in the late 80s. And like I said, we were getting that first real mascot that's built for a game. Again, we had Kool Aid Man, but we're getting one that's like built specifically in this with this game in mind and things that we are getting now onto the Nintendo and Genesis with this era of gaming. We're getting close to that. So we're getting the graphics, we're getting him being cool as ever. And it's starting <laughs> to open those literal floodgates to these other brands that are going to start flooding the market. They're going to flood and flood and flood.
1: But no, as we get this, over This was also what's interesting about this one, it was it was produced by Virgin Games, which, mm-hmm. you know, Virgin was like a big entertainment company at the time, record deals all over the place for Virgin. This game also had a sequel, which is How many of these one-off games actually got a second one? I mean, they were dead set on making Cool Spot like an actual thing.
0: Yeah, the only other game that comes close that we'll break down after this one was Domino's with The Noid. And The Noid was a late 80s mascot, which was just as big a mistake as the rats at Quiznos. That they tried to make into like its own Chuck E. Cheese symbol, basically. Like this is gonna be the next pizza mascot. And so the Noid ended up getting two games, if not three games in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s. And it's it's again, a lot of these early games, most of these games are just reskins of other games that are out, or they take a Japanese game. Uh, which is very much the case coming up for Yo Noid, which was a 1990s one with Domino's, which was just a reskin, a full reskin of a Japanese title that never made it West. So we're starting to see, like, hey, why don't we just buy the rights to your game, change it, and choose your engine? Can
1: we talk a little bit about Chuck E. Cheese just really fast? Yes, we can. Chuck E. Cheese, amazing, amazing 90s childhood memories I feel like there but when you really think about it you go and you're playing arcade games that it's exactly as you just described it's like let me take a concept and just apply my theme to it and Mm -hmm. now this game is mine so you go to Chuck E. Cheese you're playing very specific Chuck E. Cheese games that have been around for a long time and i It's like the most ultimate branding machine. It's crazy. And I want to talk about, I want
0: to wrap this up, this episode up later. Uh, Chuck E. Cheese will appear later. New Chuck. We'll talk about that in a bit. But you're exactly right. Because this was the 90s was this big boom. 90s overall was a big boom for advertising. And this is where people started to diversify a bit of everything. Chuck E. Cheese was getting into that. And like you said, had their own token machines. Not only that, had some of their own video games in the Chuck E. Cheese as it went on
1: of like different adventure things for Chuck and the gang. Right. There was like a uh, memory game that you could play where you have to remember where the different Chuck E. Cheese characters are mm-hmm. and do it within a certain amount of time. There was uh, similar to uh, Playco yep. on The Price is Right. There was one of those as well. There were tons of Chuck E. Cheese games. It was a really solid
0: strategy. It was smart. And so running back to a couple of the branding and gaming, I just want to touch on two real quick that were also in those early 90s. Uh, One you wouldn't expect, but you would 100% expect today because I want one of these games. And that is the California Raisins. These were the smoothest cats around. Not only that, that same year that the California Raisins, the Grape Escape came out, pun intended right there, Chester Cheetah of Cheetos says, you know what, Raisins? I'm going to join you with being cool. But you know what? I'm Chester Cheetah, and I'm too cool to fool, baby. That's what I'm saying. So the Raisins game was a Sega Genesis game
1: that was, again, a platformer. The Chester Cheetah one, a little different. So I'm looking at the next one on the list, and I think this just became my holy grail. Mm -hmm. And I must have it. Oh, yes, I agree. It is the Budweiser Tapper. It is. Many of you uh, who are our
0: age, a little older, or any of you played retro games, you've probably heard of Root Beer Tapper or played it in one of those local arcade bars where you basically have to fill up, uh, you know, steins or mugs of root beer, send them down the line, and the patrons are happy and they leave. It's basically, uh, you know, any of those Galaga games or those like where the enemies to keep falling on you you got to get rid of them but it's sideways and this first started out actually as an advertising tool for Budweiser and Budweiser still owns Root Beer Tapper however in the early 90s when this was occurring they were saying hey aren't video games kind of targeted towards kids yeah okay and this is an arcade machine yeah okay so you're advertising alcohol to kids yeah mm, no <laughs> and so there were, as you as you said, if you want to look them up online, there are Budweiser Tapper arcade cabinets, as well as some of the OG games you can still get because it was
1: relatively quickly switched over to Root Beer Tapper with all the A-B stuff removed. Imagine sponsoring this game thinking, hey, this is going to be an amazing thing for us later on in life in 10 years when these kids can drink alcohol legally. We're going to make a buttload.
0: And it was a little bit of a... And then the man
1: shuts you down. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) The man's like, wait a minute. (laughs) And so this goes on to another topic I want to talk
0: about that licensing. So I know with this one with Root Beer Tapper that AB pretty much had no hand in this. It was more so just I'd like to slap our name in it. We will pay for the game as long as we get a fat Anheuser-Busch logo or a Budweiser logo specifically on the floor of this bar. Our little dapper gentleman who's slapping those drinks out will be dressed in kind of that red and bluey look to it and slanging some beer. Beautiful. And bringing up a topic I talked about before, we're getting into uh, the fast food era, the pizza, the burgies, the tacos. This is the era of fast food and the fast food mascots making their way into gaming. Because you know who loves fast food? Hashtag real gamers. So, first was <laughs> both kind of Domino's McDonald's hitting the market early. We had, like I said, we had the Noid with two games, avoid the Noid, and then yo, Noid. And those are the two games they had, both platformers, both getting to a point where the game's enjoyable, where it's a platformer that's decent. You can play it. It's all good. Then we regress a little bit with a couple of McDonald's games with the MC kids and McDonald's treasure land adventure, both of which take it definitely back to that elementary school era, early elementary school era of gaming, kind of the learning concepts, minimal platforming, but also targeting a much, much younger audience. Now, again, as years have gone by further and further, gaming has had a wider outreach. I mean, look at today. It kind of targets everyone. But at this time, they're like, okay, let's do some educational or some younger
1: games. And that's where the old Mickey D's enters the market. You know, you think about the Leapfrogs and things like that. Imagine that the, those had a very specific advertisement. It would be a little bit questionable. I look at some of these games. First of all, the Noid that you just mentioned. thats mm-hmm. like the most 90s era cartoon character that I can think of. Yep. <laughs> I feel like I know him, and at the same time, I don't know him at all. It's just an absurd, I don't know, visual. But then I go forward, I look at the McDonald's stuff, and if you look at this game, it kind of has the feel of, like, a Sonic platformer. hmm But it's also, like... I don't know if you ever played the game Tiny Tune Adventures on the yeah. NES, Yep. but you're like basically at a theme park and there's basically the whole part of this game is just doing these different rides and trying to win them. You know, if you win the bumper cars, you get a golden ticket. And as you, you know, ride the roller coaster, you have to collect certain things and you get another golden ticket. That's what this game looks like to me. I've seen a few different McDonald's games at this point. And even beyond video games, I know that the McDonald's team, they did DVDs, they did VHS tapes that you could buy. They did cassette tapes that you could buy. So if you're on a road trip, you stop into the local McDonald's, you get a little cassette. Now you're good to go with your kids. And they expanded that into video games, and these games look terrible. But great branding, man. I mean, I have very positive feelings about McDonald's just from the the road trips that I had. Mm-hmm. Thinking about playing the video games as well, I didn't have a Genesis console, so not for me, but still a lot of fun, I'm sure, for a lot of kids.
0: Absolutely. And I think this is where I'll break off the games real quick and then talk about not only... Fast food going into gaming, but gaming going into fast food. You know, we're seeing Pokemon cards at Burger King. We're seeing multiple different branding things for Sonic and Pokemon and Mario, even like some Donkey Kong stuff at these different fast food chains as toys, as exclusive cups, as plates for some of these things. Where else are you going to get that Jinzo card, man? That's yeah, a little bit of Yu Gi Oh action going on there. That's right. So, this is kind of the start of those partnerships and the understanding that gaming is here to stick around it's not just this fad of arcade machines or this fad of like oh pitfall boop 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 jump over you know and have like three tones playing it's getting more and more sophisticated and so is the money and let me tell you a man who knows about some money and that is pepsi man 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 1999. Derek, I don't know if you've seen Pepsi Man, but in recent years has become the memory of some speedrunners. And I has seen has like a 96% on like Google ratings, a 5 out of 5 on most of these review websites. And it's very much if any of you've played Temple Run or any of those similar games on your phone where your character's always running forward, you basically have to duck, dive, dodge. And dodge everything that's there as Pepsi Man as you're running along. And Pepsi Man, I don't know who came up with this mascot, but applause all around because Pepsi Man is basically just a super fit silver surfer that has the Pepsi logo across
1: them. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link.
0: So we're getting into the late nineties of these games and we're getting, you know, more sophisticated. Then 64's been out for a while. It's coming to, you know, the turn of the century. Y2K is coming up. Pepsi thought, listen, the world's ending at the end of this year. Let's just go all out on a cool mascot. And they went, Pepsi man
1: leads us to the new century. It's weird because he <laughs> kind of reminds millennium. me of like the Capri Sun guy at the same yeah. time. I feel like if I had to just describe the 90s to someone, I would say Pepsi Man. It's incredible. It is. I, I have to agree with you. It definitely
0: is. And so we're wrapping this up in the 90s, you know, run in the 90s, obviously, good meme song. Uh, we're wrapping this up and, and talking about we're getting more pervasive with these things. You know, Pepsi Man was in the PlayStation. If you had it, get it. I don't know anyone who had it. Again, this is a later in life, like, emulator thing that I just jumped on. It's interesting. But we're getting more sophisticated. And again, this is one of the first games where, like, Pepsi Man's there, Pepsi's all over. But the fun of the game outweighs the branding. And it's one of the first that's doing so. It's not shoving it down your throat while not being a fun game. So Pepsi Man leads us off into the new millennium of the 2000s, where Taco Bell says, You'll cure some games. Cause yo Kiro, my (laughs) games, I love some games. I love my games. And uh, so we have the Taco Bell Tasty Temple Challenge, the Jumping Bean Jamboree and Moon Eater. All of which, the first one's kind of a temple run or a temple exploration. uh, And then the second one with the Jumping Bean Jamboree, uh, pretty lame. And then the moon one, you're tracking down hot sauces in space all of which I think failed as the marketing thing of it. And we're just more so tacked on with the branding and using product, like using many, many products, not just like, Hey, Anheuser-Busch Budweiser beer, slap it down. This is like the hot sauce, the different chalupas, the tacos, the burritos and other things that are related to Taco Bell and just trying to put it in front of people. And did it work? No. No because I never really heard or played these games before until I started researching into it. Now, another game that wasn't great, but hit the gamers right in the gamer area, Doritos. And if you guys didn't remember on Xbox 360, this was an Xbox 360 arcade game, and it was Doritos Crash Course. And it was this, like, ATV desert-style game that you could drive around in later was also sponsored by monsters. You got to hit, you got the double whammy. It was was monster of Mountain Dew. Can't remember. Either way, it was total gamer drink. And I don't know why it was Doritos was just doing some weird stuff for a while. That's when Doritos like became the gamer food. That's like when it officially like entered the gamersphere.
1: It, yeah, they started. I feel like it started around the time that halo became halo two specifically became a big thing and they started just posting the Master Chief on the bags. It's like, hey, you need some food while you play Halo for 95 hours straight? Well, we're (laughs) here for you.
0: Same thing with Call of Duty. And that's when they started adding those XP things in because Call of Duty became like that synonymous game with Mountain Dew and Doritos, like the gamer fuel. That's really where G Fuel got its name, was basically taking it from those kind of memories of it. But yeah, this is the, the soiree into it. And like you had said, Derek, Advertisers are getting wise with it as well. We're getting Mountain Dew as a major sponsor for a lot of these things. We're getting Doritos to be a major sponsor for these games. Exclusive codes, you know, exclusive downloads, exclusive bits for the game itself. We even saw that with Halo Infinite with literally every product on the planet.
1: Yeah, man. At a certain point, it's like, hey, you (laughs) want to up your controller? Well, we've got the food for you. We've got the energy to keep you going for a couple more years. <laughs> At least two. At least Wait. a few more days. <laughs> At least a couple days going. But let's talk about the
0: creme de la creme. Really, where Aww. I think you'll agree with me, gaming,
1: fast food, and mascots hit the pinnacle. This is the absolute pinnacle. You stole the word I was going to use, you the son pinnacle. of a. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> the pinnacle of fast food, gaming, and branding and gaming. As Derek had mentioned at the top of the episode, the Burger King Trio, the three games that the king sold out of his dominion that included Big Bumping, Sneaking, <laughs> so it's Sneak King, and
1: Pocket Bike Racers. These games were so ridiculous, and Alex owned all three of them. I then sold all three of them for a profit, and last year... I bought all three of them
0: again for a for five dollars total. Oh, brand new, nice. brand new. That's playing the stonks, baby. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. Uh, a complete side note: some girl on Mercari bought like a random like lot of boxes. She got t- she got a thousand copies of all three. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> it's fantastic. How, <laughs> that's how I bought them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so so Burger King put the money and effort into this. And this was on the 360 era. There were physical discs you could go get at the, at whatever restaurant you're going to for the Burger King, whatever BK lounge is near you. And you pop them in, and they're very reminiscent of games during that time. If you've ever played Fusion Frenzy or any of the Mario Party mini games, that is where Big Bumpin' kind of comes in. And that's where you jump in. It's a bit of a race, but more so of like bumper cars and having survived traps, earned points, check out different you know areas within those maps to get power-ups. Super super fun arcadey game. Second one I'll, I'll bring up is Pocket Bike Racer. Pocket Bike Racer is basically the better Mario Kart. You could be the king, you could be the chicken, you could be one of the fry cooks,
1: or you could be some random people. <laughs> I do feel like better is a bold statement as far as Mario Kart goes, but for the sake of bold the argument, I will agree with you because I love Burger King. Um, These games, man, they should not have been as fun as they were, but I no. feel like they hit such a perfect time in the Xbox 360 where it was mm-hmm. like, we were almost kind of competing as far as the achievements go. It's like, once you pop yeah. one of these games, like sneaking into your disk drive, well, that's in your history forever. <laughs> yep. And if you haven't 100% completed sneaking, are you a hashtag true gamer? I don't you're feel really like not. you are. And like, if you're going to be like, oh, well, I'm not playing
0: sneaking. I'm a true Splinter Cell player. Bull- <laughs> This
1: is the espionage game of all time. Right. It wasn't, it was what, $5 to buy one of these from Burger mm-hmm. King, if I remember correctly. So you get sneaking, you pop it in, there was like eight achievements. You can't even get these eight achievements. You're not a hashtag true gamer. No. No. And again, I wanted to bring this up as I had talked about
0: it is the pinnacle of this game. Is that dangerous? Or is that just something that makes a great game? for some reason, off of this brand? You know, are we teetering on that line of like, do we allow these brands in and be more pervasive? Like, yeah, this is a funny game just based on Burger King. But do we allow more of that type of content or more of those versions to be in the ads? As you and I had mentioned in the previous bonus episode, we had talked about um, with predatory monetization. We're seeing a little bit of that, especially in sports games even in some newer age games, even on your TV, even on like the home screen of your Xbox, you're starting to see the pervasion of more and more ads. And this is really where that kind of starts. It allows it in. It allows you to be friendly with this. And mm, it might've been here, I think it was a bit later that we start to get those Twitter accounts that are like the like funny one, like Wendy's or Arby's or any of these other ones that start posting stuff that, oh, that company shouldn't post that. That's like a weird comment. or oh, yeah. You know, so Wendy's roasting people. Wendy. hmm And that's kind of where this teeters off. And we start to get even more and more into that gaming sphere coming up to KFC. And then one of these games I did play on stream, which was I Love You, Colonel Sanders. And this was interesting. This was good old Colonel saying, Listen, I know I got a terrible past, but look at me. (laughs) I am an anime waifu now. I think that's what that term is. And wow, I used it right there. And it's a dating sim. And, you know, dating sims are popular as, like, silly stream games. And that's what KFC was going after. Going after, like, these silly stream games that people will jump on, get the branding going. And you constantly hear about the KFC food. Like, the kernel in there makes, like that weird mashed potatoes and corn dish makes chicken makes these other different dishes that are available. And it's funny because yeah, it's a satire of itself. It's making fun of it, making fun of these things, but it's still pushing that on the audience.
1: I don't know if you ever played the game facade. Mm -mm. It reminds me a lot of this game where it was, it it was like a weird, cheesy kind of computer game where you go in, it's like you're invited over to be this couple's dinner guest, and then you start to see their relationship cracking through various things. You can react to them. You can type in different mm. responses. Okay. It was a very popular... Oh, Let's Play? Let's Play. And that's kind of where this... It's not quite like that, but it does feel like it fits into that mold, that genre. I love oh, you, yeah. Colonel Sanders. And, and this
0: was somewhat like the tail end of when dating sim games were coming out that weren't, they were still weird, but they weren't like creepy. Like, I need to date this girl. Like, had a full boyfriend is a bunch of pigeons and birds dating, and you date birds. Then there was Dream Daddies. Dream Daddies, great game. You gotta find yourself a daddy. (laughs) And then uh, (laughs) there's some other random ones that are out there, too. Like, you can (laughs) date tanks. So, like, they're all making fun of that visual novelization and the dating simulator of it. And that's what Colonel Sanders did with it. You and I are gonna have to talk
1: offline about the games that you've been playing. Oh, I don't play them. I just see them and I go, that's pretty cool. No, it sounds like you play them. And I'm gonna edit this to make it seem like you do. I love... Dream Daddy. <laughs> no, it's it's
0: those uh, it's all those different uh, sim games have come out and it's doing it. It's making fun of itself. It's making fun of the genre. It's being silly in a way it's not supposed to be. Very much like the Twitter people we're talking about. Like you're not supposed to roast people. You're not supposed to make fun of other brands. Wendy like, shouldn't
1: be saying memes. Yeah, or
0: like Arby's on Instagram posting like amazing catch up art of different gaming moments or different like pop culture references like. That's not what companies do. So we're starting to see the big turn of that. Another big, weird turn that I didn't hear much more about, and I don't know anyone or haven't heard of anyone who got it, and it's the KF console. It's the KFC PC that could keep your chicken warm. And I love it. It came out right around the time that like the new graphics cards were coming out in 2019, 2020, I believe. And the KF console was such a
1: dumb concept that at the same time was wonderful. I'm sorry. I'm distracted right now. I set my phone down and it Uh shattered into 10 million pieces. (laughs) Seriously. I set my phone down and I was like looking at the back of it and it's, it's actually incredible. I don't understand what happened and I don't really know what to do.
0: Okay, we're going to keep this one in. And Derek, for the cover photo of this episode, can you just do a photo of the back of your phone (laughs) as the cover of this? that's
1: fine. Okay, perfect. I'm just like, wait. We're sitting here doing this, and I got a tweet on my phone, I set my phone down, and then when I looked back over to it, it was like, it looked like it had a rug burn on the the (laughs) Apple logo. And I was like, huh, that's weird. And then I picked up my phone. There's just like shattered glass all in my case. I really huh. don't know what to do. Do I take the cover off? I put off getting a new phone for so long. This is such a big moment for me. I'm really upset about it. I do still love you, Colonel Sanders. Sure. Um. Everybody in the Patreon comments or in the Discord, uh, let
0: Derek know, new phone or not? New phone who dis or no, keep the old one?
1: <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, you get a PS5, the lord giveth a PS5, he take it away an iPhone. <laughs> Listen.
0: If if you're trying to bring back, I I saw you. I saw you trying to do a little bit of full metal alchemy and trying to transmute your phone to a PS5 Honestly, and dude, it actually like, broke.
1: If I could full metal alchemy my phone into a PS5, sure. Sure. I would uh, do you that. just can't. I'd also don't do allow the reverse right now.
0: <laughs> but on a positive note, now you can uh, get rid of your phone, get yourself a KF console. Not only can you answer WhatsApp messages probably on it, but you can heat your chicken up or just throw your phone in there.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, What an absurd thing. It reminds me so much of the Game Sphere from like Drake and Josh.
0: Yep, and that's, and that's pretty much a lot of people compared it to is like, Gamesphere, <laughs> top tier. Well, Derek, let me tell you, now that you don't have a phone and you're going to get yourself a KF console, we talked about Wendy's a lot, but you can hop on that KF console and check out Feast of Legends. Now, not specifically a video game, but Wendy's created a full D&D adventure called Feast of Legends. With custom characters that were all based on their different food groups. I think like the burger was like the barbarian. The frosty was like the wizard. Very, very Genius. interesting. Oh, I would love to do a run through if anybody wants to do that as well at some point.
1: I kind of want to do, and I'm sorry for interrupting you, but I kind of want to do Feast of Legends instead of Dungeons and Dragons for the <laughs> They're Patreon. They're both...
0: They're both fantastic. And I absolutely love I've I've done a little bit of FISA of Legends and it was fun. It's actually really well put together. It's like an 87 page guide. Really, really interesting. It was given away for free as a PDF. They just like launched it out there. No advertising, just slapped it on Instagram, slapped it on the web. Good download. You probably still download it if you check it out. But it's interesting because now we're getting into all these other spheres. And again, the production value is there, the money's there. So they can just slap. All their food, their advertising, their branding onto these things. And I don't want to say we're allowing it, it's just happening around us. And yes, all of these things are great and funny and good, but I want to get to the weird side of it and then the negative side of it to cap it off because we're running pretty long in this right now. The weird side, bringing up Chuck E. Cheese again, even Wendy's, is having their mascots stream on Twitch. Now, I don't know if any of you guys have seen this, but Chuck E. Cheese, the new age Chuck E. Cheese, not like the old Grumpy Mouse,
1: but the new one. Well, the new one is a fun fact. It's Jarrett Reddick, who is the lead singer of Bowling for Soup, and he's been the voice of Chuck E. Cheese for basically since the time that the song 1985 came out seriously okay well it's
0: it's an interesting you say that because you can hear him say poggers and gg you also got a girl who was dressed like wendy's like with the pigtails and stuff stream and it's just an oddity i'll say that i did watch the chuck e cheese stream i would admit for way too long because it was so bad and the (laughs) chuck e cheese person was playing it was when fall guys first came out and they were playing Uh... fall guys And if they'd make it around, the mouse would just stare into the camera, open up its mouth, and just go, poggers. And it would go on and say other young kid phrases. And it was disturbing, but there were tens of thousands (laughs) of people watching it. And all these different things. Uh, KFC also streams. KFC streams as a dude with a bucket on his head.
1: Yeah, don't talk bad about KFC, man. I'm here in Kentucky. It's like, it's actually illegal here. and I'm worried that they're just, listening to me.
0: It's just the oddities, but let's wrap this up. We'll talk about the negatives. The reason that at least I do, I think you do as well on some of these negatives that, yeah, it's cool. I think it's funny. Most of all, that you have like these game crossovers, these branding crossovers is the entrance into the actual game. So if the game is not just a Burger King game, but let's say Death Stranding where the way that you refuel energy is by drinking the most high-resolution monster energy drink this planet has ever seen. Or having to, as Nathan Drake, talk about $5 footlongs
1: and get a subway outfit. <laughs> yeah. it's um. There are certain moments where it's okay, right? These sure. games, most of the games that we've talked about, they don't... They they're very direct about what they're doing, right? It's where this kind of bleeds into the episode, the other bonus content that we had mm-hmm. about video game monetization, that it starts to become a little bit more of a gray area. We talked a little bit about advertisement of video games, as far as like going from just having it as a video game itself to being on a home screen of an Xbox. That's a pretty big gap. I remember going back and playing Xbox 360. One of the biggest games that was pushed for that console was Fight Night Round Three. It was one of the original mm-hmm. demos, and you can have the King as your cornerman. Yep. He gives you a boost in heart, so you can hire a cornerman, and it like increases a specific stat. The King would increase your heart. And on top of that, there was literally like a Dodge Caliber trophy and Mm -hmm. slash an event where I guess you'd win a Dodge Caliber and they had a model of a Dodge Caliber in that game. That stuff to me is where it starts to become very icky, not great. We talked in the monetization episode about all the stuff within sports games already, so I'm not going to repeat that. but. There's definitely sneakier ways about going about it and kind of like fun, weird ways about it, too. And so, like a lot of these games we talked about, people collect this stuff. I would love Budweiser Tapper. It's my new grail.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's where the jump is. Those older games, yes, they had the branding on them. Yes, they could have had branded cabinets and things like that. But that, to me, is just more of a billboard out in the world. For it, As you start to get more in the home console realm, and as it gets more and more involved, and the games just involve more and more, and there's more branding and just subliminal advertising in the way that they speak. You know, I know that I Love You, Colonel Sanders is a spoof game, but they still talk about all their products and wanting you to go get it and wanting you to do all those things. And as Derek had said, it's like fight night in the sports games and Death Stranding seeing actual branding is just weird. It reminds me of like Transformers or any of those movies where there's clearly like a subway in the background. Clearly they're using this like Mercedes Benz for this thing. And it becomes that gray area of ickiness of just like I don't want to see that. And even the dark area in the sports games having to watch a full 30 second ad between your UFC matches. So it's cool. It's interesting. I think the overall topic of pop culture or branding in games is interesting. Look at Fortnite, for example. Taking multiple universes, multiple real-life people, character people, fake people, uh, different video game people, bringing all together to play, that to me is probably the best way that's happening in modern day. Where, yeah, you could spend some money to play as Keanu Reeves, specifically as John Wick, play as Kratos go see Ariana Grande's concert. Sure. Those things are there, but you're not sipping down a mountain dew as you're like sitting there as your chug jug, you know, that's, I think where I'm not liking it in terms of that, but let us know, let us know what you think of these games. If you've played the older ones, do you even care that advertising is out there? Does it bother you? I mean, a lot of you didn't grow up with television ads. You know, you grew up on Netflix, Hulu, all these other TV things where you could pay to not have those. So what's your opinion on having those come into the gaming sphere?
1: Absolutely, guys. We'd love to hear from you. Post it in the patron peeps on the Discord chat, or you could post it on Patreon itself, and Mm -hmm. we'll check it out and respond to it. It's been a lot of fun. I am your host, Derek Baker. And I am your host, Alex Kendall. And we will see you guys next time.